Thank you for listening to Weekly Wisdom, the podcast of First Presbyterian Church in Haddonfield, New Jersey. This episode is a sermon preached by Reverend Marvin Lindsay titled Fast Food. It's based on Exodus chapter 12, the story of God instituting the Passover celebration and a preview of the 10th and final plague that God visits on the Egyptians in order to rescue the Israelites from slavery. We hope you'll enjoy the sermon. It was a time and place when the labor movement was making front page news. There was a labor organizer, uh, actually a, a vigilante killer who'd been on the lam for a number of decades, who returned to petition the government on behalf of his fellow workers. What he wanted was really quite modest. He asked for one three-day weekend for all the brick masons and all the agricultural workers to go on a mountain retreat. And the administration appeared ready to make a deal, but an agreement was never ratified because the head of state was, in fact, an unreliable negotiating partner. No sooner than he'd agreed to labor's demands than he'd up and change his mind. The environment was also on everyone's mind. This mysterious red tide spread up the nation's biggest river, leaving dead fish bobbing in the water. Severe weather, the likes of which even the old-timers couldn't remember, was laying waste the food in the nation's breadbasket. What didn't get beaten down by hail was gobbled up by a swarm of grasshoppers. In fact, populations of several insects spiked that year, and the entomologists had no idea why or what they could do about it. Heretofore unknown pathogens decimated livestock, and a mysterious new illness that produced boils in the skin was spreading like wildfire among the human population. Of course, these aren't headlines from the U.S. during the week after Labor Day. This is the book of Exodus I'm recounting. Uh, And you should actually, uh, if you have some spare time this week, go back and read the chapters between chapter 3 that Nikki preached on last week and chapter 12 that we're hearing this Sunday. Uh, It's a fascinating and disturbing story, but I'll give you a summary. Moses and Aaron, at the Lord's direction, go to Pharaoh, the king of Egypt, and they say, Thus says the Lord, let my people go. Let them go into the wilderness for a three-day festival to worship me. But Pharaoh would not let go God's chosen people, whom he had enslaved and had had exploited. So the Lord punished the Egyptians with plagues. And at times the Pharaoh would give in to the Lord's demands, but then he had a change of heart, for the king was a hard-hearted man. So the plagues continued, one after the other. Now, uncanny resemblances aside... Uh, There is a big difference between sacred writ and all the news that's fit to print. In the New York Times or on CNN, an act of God is a mere metaphor. And a just God never meddles in human affairs. But what if God did? What if God did? What if Exodus is more than just a story from long, long ago, written by primitive people, trying to explain things they couldn't understand. What if it is, in fact, a truer story than the stories that journalists and pundits tell us today? What if the weather goes haywire and microbes run rampant because the king of the universe is holding kings and governments and nations accountable? What if politics and religion and the environment aren't in neatly separate containers, but they're hopelessly intertwined? 
What if God isn't merely watching us from a distance, as Bette Midler once sang, but is intervening in history on the side of beaten down and beaten up people? As they say on the internet, I'm just asking questions. Just asking questions. In Exodus 12, the most dramatic intervention is yet to come. The Lord was poised to send an avenging angel through the land of Egypt. This angel was going to go door to door and take the life of every firstborn within that household. But the descendants of Abraham and Sarah, who had sought refuge in Egypt only to be enslaved there, they would be spared. God says to the Israelite people, feast, bread, lamb, have a dinner tonight. Gobble down that roasted lamb, but take care to mark your doorstep with the blood of the lamb you slaughtered. The blood will be assigned to the Lord, their God. The Lord would see the blood and would pass over their houses and spare the Israelites from the terror that the Lord was bringing upon their enslavers. Hence the name of the celebration, Passover. After the events of the first Passover, the king of Egypt would be forced to let God's people go. It's a dramatic intervention, and of course dramatic is a wild understatement. The final plague on Egypt is dreadful and troubling. Who is, who is troubled by this story? Anyone want to raise your hand and confess to a little bit of disquiet? Yeah. What kind of God is it that would take innocent human life and take it on such a scale? Well, I don't know if this is an adequate answer to that question, but I do want to share three observations that an Old Testament professor at Princeton Seminary named Dennis Olson has made about this passage of Scripture. The first thing Dr. Olson says is that God employs no intermediaries in this judgment. This is an act of God alone, an act that human beings are not free to imitate, no matter how just we think the cause or how desperate the circumstances. Egypt's night of terror provides no warrant for terrorism or for religiously motivated violence. And that's worth underlining and remembering on this eve of September 11th. Second thing Dr. Olson points out is that this is the tenth plague to strike Egypt, not the first. The Lord has given Pharaoh many, many chances to do the right thing, but Pharaoh is obstinate, he is stubborn, he refuses all of these opportunities to change his ways. God is patient. God is patient even with tyrants, but God's patience has limits. Third thing Dr. Olson warns us about is that we need to consider the possibility that the consequences of prolonged disobedience spill over from one generation to the next. It's another way of posing the question, just what kind of world are we leaving for our children? It's a particularly urgent question, given uh, the present greed and short-sightedness and what we are told is going to happen to our environment in the future. And indeed, not just in the future, but it seems to be happening already. But I want to say also a word about the meal that memorializes Egypt's, um, Israel's emancipation from the Egyptians. There's a lot of instructions about the meal. Actually, it's mainly a story about how to have a festival, how to have a dinner. In chapter 12, the Lord says to Moses, And when your children ask you, what do you mean by this observance? Why are we having this meal? You shall say this. 
It is the Passover sacrifice to the Lord. For he passed over the house of the Israelites in Egypt when he struck down the Egyptians, but spared our houses. He spared our houses. Future generations are instructed to say our houses. The meal brings the past to life. It brings the past into the present. When Jewish people celebrate the Passover, they are not just remembering something that happened in ancient history. The festival transforms our Jewish neighbors and sisters and brothers into slaves standing on the threshold of liberation. And the same thing is true of the commandments that God encourages and commands the Israelites to keep, which God will give to Moses after they make their escape. The Lord says, when your children ask you in time to come, what is the meaning of these commandments? What does it mean to honor the Sabbath day? To not murder or commit adultery or covet our neighbor's goods. Then you shall say this. When we were Pharaoh's slaves in Egypt, the Lord brought us out of Egypt with a mighty hand. With great and awesome signs and wonders. He brought us out in order to bring us in. Then the Lord commanded us to observe these statutes. To fear the Lord our God for our lasting good. Worship and faithful obedience to God, put uh, sandals on the feet and a staff in the hand of the engineer who lives in Tel Aviv and the dancer who lives in St. Louis and the rabbi who lives in Buenos Aires. They're ready to make a run for it, a run for freedom under the protection of the Almighty. When the past becomes present, when we worship God and when we faithfully obey God, then the hearts of God's chosen people turn to rejoicing. They place themselves at God's disposal to do God's will in this world by obedience to God. Their hearts overflow with hope that the meek of the earth might yet experience the justice and freedom and release that the Hebrews experienced when they were led out of the land of Egypt. Martin Luther King once wrote, Injustice anywhere is a threat to justice everywhere. But you can turn that quote upside down and say that liberation anywhere is a threat to tyrants everywhere. Now, in the fullness of time, God's blessings for Israel have been extended to every nation, to Presbyterians in New Jersey who teach their children the meaning of God's commandments in Sunday school and in confirmation class, to the parishioners of the Maria Lenakila Catholic Church in Lahaina, Hawaii, a congregation whose building was miraculously spared in the flames and now serves as a homeless shelter for people who were burned out of their homes. Elsewhere in scripture, we read this. If you belong to Christ, you are Abraham's offspring, heirs according to the promise. If you belong to Christ, then the meal that we share at this table once a month, a meal that was founded in the Passover meal that Jesus celebrated with his disciples, then this meal becomes a sharing in the body and the blood of Christ. And you too are marked with the blood that saves you and spares you from God's wrath. And, not more, and more than that, if you belong to Christ, day by day, the Spirit of Christ is freeing you from oppressive powers of anger, greed, envy, and pride. If you belong to Christ, then the changing of the seasons and the passing of the years become for you a long journey through the wilderness.
returned us to the promised land, where the meal that we share here once a month will sustain you along that journey until you see God face to face. And if you belong to Christ, then you will want to obey Christ. You'll want to please Christ. You'll want to strive to live in harmony with him, which means striving to live in harmony with the mountains and seas and skies and trees and with all that creeps and flies and swarms and walks upon the earth, which God created through Jesus Christ. You will say to tyrants who still oppress and exploit vulnerable human beings, let God's people go until that great and glorious day comes when Christ comes and the groaning of a suffering creation will give way to endless songs of thanksgiving. In the name of the one who is and who was and who is to come. Amen. Thanks for listening. Please rate and review this podcast so that we can reach more people with the good news of Jesus Christ. To support our ministry, go to www.haddonfieldprez.org and click on the Give tab at the top of the page. Grace and peace be with you.